Hello Ghostlight, I'm Layla. And I'm Zach. And today we're going to be talking about doing theater in this uh, less physical world right now, since for many people we are uh, doing self-lockdowns or um, trying to stay away from others as much as possible. So we are addressing how do you do theater when you cannot be physically around other people. Um, I know for Green Buffalo, one of the first things we did as soon as lockdown happened back in, I think it was officially in April for New York. Um, the first idea we had was we wanted to have people, you know, feel like they were doing something creative while they couldn't be around others. And um, I think the first, the very first thing we decided to do was um, what we named quarantine quarters. And so it was basically a way for us to send out prompts that others could work on, they could submit to us, and then every week we would select the top plays and then read them. And that's changed and mutated over time as lockdowns and quarantine has changed over time. Um, but that for us has definitely been one of the most successful and um, the thing we've been able to keep up to date with the most. Yeah, it's definitely been one of the more entertaining aspects of, of quarantine for me. Um, I do think initially when we were doing it like once a week, like that was crazy. I, I still can't believe we were doing it that consistently. But I yeah. think where we're at right now with once a month, that that's like the ideal way because that seems to be the way because we get more submissions now than ever, right? We get quite a few submissions. I think the way we started it when we first did it was doing it once a week because all three of us, meaning Maddie, Ellen, and I, all three of us were not working. Um, I be- Two of us had lost our jobs and... Uh, one of us didn't have a job. So it kind of eased us into, you know, keeping us busy while we couldn't work and we're still, you know, job searching and trying to uh, abate the rising fear of what happens now. And so it kind of gave us something to do. Um, But over time, uh, once some of us found jobs or we just found that we were doing more projects, that was also part of it was that we were able to do it weekly because we didn't have any other projects that we were doing. We were really just working on the quarantine quarters. Um, But once we all started getting more busy with work with other theater projects, we moved it towards the once a month reading. Um, But we still do three weekends of prompts. So it still is engaging other people because we're, we're still asking for people to write for three weekends and then the weekend that's not a writing weekend that's when we read the plays that we have selected um it's really fun it means that we're still keeping people engaged uh we're still top of mind um but it also means that we're we're collaborating with new writers new actors yeah it's been really cool yeah it's definitely broadened our horizons for the most part with um you know working with new people and you know, like we were, I think we were talking about it on like the first episode. How many people are in the Green Buffalo Discord server now? Mm-hmm. Just hundreds of people, just actors and playwrights who have all been a part of Quarantine Quarters for the past year now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really exciting. And I, at the end of the day, we're still a theater company that we strive to work with locals. That's a big part of, I mean, it's part of our mission statement as we want to uh, give a chance for 
uh, unheard voices within our local community, but with the way things are right now, our community is all inside. So we might as well be able to work with other people who we wouldn't necessarily be able to work with on a day-to-day basis if we were in a physical space. But since we're in a digital space, it's kind of like, well, everyone's local now. We're all digital. Um, So it gives us an opportunity to work with new people and with different artists and hear other voices. And that definitely suits what we're trying to do. Um, And I, I personally, as one of the readers of many of the plays, I love reading them because it really gives me an idea of, you know, how other people write, how other people look at our prompts, because there are times where I'll create a prompt and I'm like, I think I know where this will go. I have an idea of what the kind of um, results we'll get based on our prompts and we'll get plays back. I'm like, I did not expect that at all. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's like it's like a full-length version of like Cards Against Humanity in a way, where you yeah. give everybody the same exact tools to create it with, but everybody will go in a completely different direction. Yeah, and it's it's really neat, and especially when we get to actually read them out loud because there are times where uh, like I'll admit there were times where we read plays early on when it was all three of us reading all of the plays and we would then select now we've kind of parsed it out so that we get to select each like one week is one person the next week is another it just makes our workload a little bit easier um, mm-hmm. but I remember early on when all three of us were reading all of the submissions and there were a couple where I personally read them and I was like, I don't like this. I don't think it's a good play. I don't think it's going to translate well. And then they would be like, well, you know, we need to pick someone. Let's go with it. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then we would hear it out loud. I was like, oh, that's really good. But I think because I was focusing on it so much as an actual play, I was still thinking in terms of that, whereas doing something that's more audio medium, because we really don't do any visuals. We read the stage directions and we have slides that are able to be seen by audiences for information on the cast, on the writers, on what we are doing for Green Buffalo. But there's there's nothing in the slides that are specific to building an idea of what's happening in the show. It's really all audio. So it's fascinating to, you know, change the mindset a little bit to something that's an all audio medium and how do you pick for that specifically there's a lot more you can do because you're just giving the audience an idea of what's happening on stage um and I think it it has actually I found with some of the writers who we've seen who have written for us almost every week or they've come back to us multiple times I've noticed that their dialogue has gotten much much better Yeah, it seems like that's almost kind of what you have to rely on for the most part when you're writing something for Quarantine Quarter specifically. I was going to say audio drama in general, but no, because, you know, with radio plays and radio drama, you have the benefits of adding in a score and soundtrack and everything Mm -hmm. for to build up on the action. But a lot of times, especially with writing for Quarantine Quarters, I was like, all right, I guess I just have to be a little wittier than normal because that's kind of like... (laughs) That's where it, it kind of is fun, is the wordplay for the the quarantine quarters. It's not exciting if you're listening to two people talking about doing something. Yeah, you really have to think about what makes for a good dialogue, what makes for a very interesting, very um, 
passionate, not even like passionate in the sense of like, oh, I feel all this passion, but like something that really brings out emotion in your audience. And because we don't have any visuals, you really have to rely all on the audio. And we're not changing anything like we're not adding in sound effects during our readings it's just the actors who are saying the lines and then we'll read the stage directions so it really is kind of up to the audience interpretation and the actor's interpretation of what is on the page and I think that's one of the big things um, that differs between doing live theater where you're in person versus doing something within a more digital space is how do you still keep the audience's attention um, when a lot of the times things kind of stick to a solely audio medium. Of course, there are other forms of other ways of doing theater online. There are people who do Zoom shows. Um, there are people who have taken uh recordings of old plays and then rebroadcasted them. National Theater very famously um, did that for a c- multiple months in the summer uh, because the UK was in lockdown as well. And so the National Theater, as a way to raise donations, but also to you know provide entertainment, they rebroadcasted plays that they had filmed um, in previous years and it was over multiple years it wasn't just like in this past season this is what we had it was like back in 2016 we did this show here you go and it was still really cool like it was a really great way of saying like hey we're really exciting dynamic theater when this is all over and we're still a theater company come see us (laughs) and yeah and i like that you mentioned like zoom shows especially i'm just curious without Let's not get into specifics because, you know, I've seen Zoom shows done very well and then I've seen them done not so well. What are your opinions of them right now as we're like at the year mark of of quarantine? I think like any tool that is newly introduced, I think that people are still trying to figure out how to use it most effectively. I think that Zoom shows can be done very well. Um, But I think you need to have a show that is tailored to it and that works really well for it. So, for example, one of a different company that I work with, um, Brazen Face Varlets, they're an amazing company here in Buffalo. Um, They do a lot of female centric um, plays. They did a show called uh, Not Another Dyke Drama that the original play was set to be on a stage, but it's a meeting. There was supposed to be an actual like physical meeting of, hey, what are we going to do for our next season is essentially what the story of the play is. And it worked really well over Zoom because Zooms are used mostly for meetings. So we were able to tweak the play to make it work within that format. I think that's the thing that's really hard with Zoom. I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, this will just we'll just take a play and we'll put it on zoom and it'll work. It doesn't, it doesn't always do that. I think because zoom is very clearly meant for meetings, for calls. It, you really have to work the play to be specific to that format. Otherwise it just doesn't read very well. I think that, but also it's like everybody, it seemed like everybody was kind of doing the same thing at the same time where it was all we're in 
quarantine and we're uh, trying to understand technology or like we're in quarantine or you know different mm-hmm. ways to do that but i think there's a way to like tell a story like using a webcam and a computer in one setting that mm-hmm. wasn't really explored that much you know because i i don't i don't want to step on like anybody's toes locally or like talk about badly about anybody but like I don't feel bad talking about like the Parks and Rec special that came out right mm-hmm. at the start of quarantine where it was just literally an episode of the show done through Zoom and it was just kind of, you know, not very well executed, essentially. Mm-hmm. I-, I think there's ways you could tell like an interesting story where it doesn't need to pander or like be so topical at the same time, like about pandemics, because like... There's a film that came out a few years ago called Searching, and the entire movie is told from from like a webcam, and it's a guy oh, searching for his daughter, and he's yes. like going through a computer. Like, mm-hmm. there's a way you could do that. There's also there was a, another Anne Hathaway movie that came out like just a few weeks ago that was entirely shot during quarantine, mm-hmm. and it was like about a heist or something like that, and parts of it were done through zoom conversations and it made sense to do it that way i haven't Mm -hmm. seen the movie but i mean the concept itself is interesting enough where it's like part of it is done this way but then you have like pre-recorded segments kind of like a concert i guess yeah i think i think there's a lot of ways of making it work and make sense but i think it's with any form of technology that's really new. People are still learning, like, what are the limits? What can we do with it? How do we push it? How do we make it work? And I think with theater, there's always this this interesting push and pull within with technology. How do we incorporate it within theater? Does it work? How do we make it work? Like, one of the best examples I can think of is projections. People mm-hmm. use projections all the time in theater, sometimes to great effect. They are able to build an incredible story and a world with projections. And there are other times where I've seen companies use projections and it just does not work. It and looks. It's, it, it's it, especially it, weird because for me, like theater is such an immersive art form. And I mm-hmm. think in my head, I'm like, how more immersive can you get than like, a zoom conversation and like yeah. something digital when we're all sitting in front of the device that everybody all of the characters are sitting in front of mm-hmm. oh for sure and i think that there's a lot of really great potential within the whole like zoom format and i really think that it is something that the more people tinker with it It'll get better, but I think that when we first went into lockdown, people were like, we still want to put up the plays that we had planned, so we're just going to throw it onto Zoom. And you know what? I don't blame them. You you have to do what you got to do, and it was a rough situation for many of us. A lot of us were like, what do we do with theater now? Like, really, what do we do? We cannot be around other people. And I think some people were just like, we got to do what we got to do. We're going to throw it on Zoom that worked fine and there were other instances where it didn't work as well and I think that as we're finding that you know being together is being pushed back and being pushed back and being pushed back people are saying instead of treating zoom as well we have to use it because it's the only way that we can do it I think some people are starting to see it as why don't we use it 
as this format? Why don't we put it within this space? Because I think it'll be most effective. And I think that's the viewpoint you need to take. And it's kind of in between film and theater. Like we were talking about previously, when you adapt theater to film, there's a lot of things you need to change and tweak to make it work for the camera. And it's very much the same with Zoom. It is theater because mistakes could happen and you need to work at it and rehearse it and tweak it, but you're filming it. So technically you can edit it. You can make it more finessed and edited and more professional. Yeah. And I think that's, that that's actually a really great point. Did you have anything like throughout all of quarantine, like a story or some kind of idea where you were like, this is a way I could tell this story or like, you know, I, 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 cause as soon as this started, I was thinking like, Oh, what's a cool, like digital hybrid show or, you know, continuous like production you could do through Zoom. I mean, there were a lot of ideas that I, I, like threw around in my head like one of them I remember we were joking about it Maddie Allen and I when we had first started we were like wouldn't it be very kind of dark funny if you did uh like a horror zoom call where um people were having a normal zoom conversation but then every once in a while there would be like something in the background and so over the course of the of the play it would be like is there actually something back there or is it just one of the roommates is like messing (laughs) with one of the people on the zoom call? And I was like, Oh, that's a really cool idea. That could be something really interesting. We never really like moved forward with it, but it was a, a moment where I was like, I've never dipped into horror, but I feel like that could work very well. Um, that's actually kind of close to something I wanted to do years ago. I'm obsessed with like, not obsessed, but I love ARGs, and I think Same. they're such a cool concept. And it, I was—I'm not smart enough to come up with one myself because I feel <laughs> like you have to like put so much thought into creating something really great. Otherwise, you just come out with like something that's super surface level and mediocre. But I always thought it would be interesting to do like kind of like a daily vlog thing where you start off really normal and then it devolves into like. this creepy like cult atmosphere very cool idea i mean there's there's so many really interesting things that you can do now with args and technology um the i this was a really big thing for me i studied immersive theater when i was in college and my senior project was actually in immersive theater so i'm fascinated by it and args are kind of a branch of immersive that i find fascinating and like the ability now that we have with like push notifications and um, geocaching and all these other ways of using digital means of enhancing a theater experience that's live, I think is something that people should really consider. I don't really see that much of it because we are encouraging people to stay indoors as much as possible. But I know that there are some theater companies who have kind of, you know, dipped their toes into ARG at home or experiences within your home that are theater and that get you feeling like you're in the moment in experiencing what's happening. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, in terms of doing theater um, still socially distanced and safe, 
um, but not all digital. So for example, um, there was a show that I got to see over the summer that where everyone was socially distanced, the actors wore masks the whole time, but it was incorporated into the show. Um, that was something that I, I thought was really cool and a great way of going, well, okay, this is our situation. We have to stay socially distanced. How do we still do a production live and have a live audience? Um, have you been able to see anything like that um, since the lockdown happened? Well, nothing in person. The mm-hmm. closest I've gotten to is, it, I think it was like the week after, it would have been like late March, I was supposed to see Mike Birbiglia. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, he started doing, like, online shows, like, every two weeks, every other week, something like that, mm-hmm. where he was just, like, working through, it was basically, like, his open mic material, and he was working on it through quarantine, and I think I paid 25 bucks to watch one of them, and I had a really great time doing it, but it was just because I was like, I trust you as a performer to put on something really great digitally, mm-hmm. because I know you have that stamp of quality, Mm-hmm. I don't, as far as, like, local things that I've seen, I haven't seen a whole lot that outside of, like, what we've done already, for yeah. the most part. And, and you know, like, the Buffalo Theater Workshop stuff, I've seen some of that. I was a part of one of their readings. Um, I know that y- um, post-industrial production also did quite a few, um, either Zoom plays or they also did, like, stage readings. Um, the performance that I was specifically referencing was done by Torn Space Theater and another way that they also added to the safety levels was that you know masks were required by audience masks were required by um, the actors Uh, audiences sat in a socially distanced way Um, there was no like physical contact with anyone Um, and I think another thing that was also really cool was that it was done outdoors so it there was another level where it's like we're not all indoors and all like having to share the same air we're outside so it's again a, just another layer of safety it was and it was beautiful like it really was a very beautiful piece so what would be an interesting idea for in my head i'm like this is a good idea is if you had a show where it was all masks but it was completely done miming like, you mm. pre-record all of the dialogue, and you just have all the actors miming it. I don't know why that just sounds entertaining to me. That would be something I would go to see. That would be pretty cool. It would take a lot of rehearsal to do that correctly. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, one thing I, I was thinking about was um one of my theater teachers in college was telling us about a performance of 1984 they saw. Mm-hmm. I, it must have been, like, Niagara Falls or something like that where essentially it was like a walkthrough museum. And I thought that would be an interesting way to kind of do theater in this current state, how we are right now, like assign the different roles and kind of have the audience walk scene to scene to kind Mm -hmm. of keep that distance. Mm -hmm. Almost like a parade in a way. That would be interesting. I think there's, there's so many ways of approaching theater now and making it exciting for the audience while also understanding that we cannot be around each other. Um, I just think that I, I know for a lot of theater companies, the hope is we want to get back to being close to each other again. And I trust me, I'm part of that. I, <laughs> I miss being around other people. Um, but I think while we do not have that capability 
it's good for us to challenge ourselves to try and use other mediums and other forms and other ways of doing theater that still means something to the audience and that means something to the creators. Um, I did have a question because we did film for Spooky One Acts, but we did the filming part of it for over like one day, two days maximum. Um, but we did spend quite a lot of time rehearsing, um, online via zoom or, or discord or whatever forms of technology we had. Um, how did, did you find that rehearsing via, uh, online was very different, um, instead of doing it in person? So coming from like film and and the way I handled my productions was I don't like to rehearse a ton when I'm doing a, you know, when I'm filming anything, because I like to get like the natural like chemistry of how a scene would play out and kind of work that way. But I did have two to three readings because, you know, you always do the table read or blocking rehearsal. And I told the actors like, you know, that since you're like primarily theater actors like if you want to like go off on your own and kind of find these characters that way because that that's how I work as a director is I want the actor to find the character themselves and then kind of come back and I'll see what they can do and then we kind of tweak it so that they can make the character their own mm-hmm. so I just had those two I, I had a table read for each and then I know two of my actors like met up in a parking lot and they ran over their lines mm-hmm. and <laughs> That was pretty much it. But, yeah. you know, I, I still, you know, I wanted everybody to be, you know, off book and everything when we were there. But when you're filming and, you know, you only have two weeks to prepare the lines for the most part. I don't remember how much time we had between casting and actually filming. I think but it, it wasn't yeah, as about, long about as you two was, weeks. Yeah, two weeks. And, you know, with limited rehearsal time, people are going to slip up. So call out line because that's just how film sets are. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think for me it was very different because I'm so used to a theater rehearsal space where a lot of the times you discover new things and new ideas by being physically present with the other actors, trying new things out and, you know, thinking, okay, well, does this work for the audience? Does this work for the audience? And for me, it was a total learning curve where I only focused on what I wanted the actors to come away with for their character because I knew that when it came to like the camera angles and how to like make that work I was still very new and I was going to have to rely on other people but I knew when it came to working with the actors on their characters that's what I wanted to focus on more and in that sense doing it online wasn't bad I could tell that for me personally I feed very well into being in person because I see things more quickly. So I think there were times where I was catching myself losing interest and it wasn't because of them. It was because it's on a screen and my eyes were wandering. Whereas right. in person, I would have been totally focused. Um, exactly. So I, yeah. I think that's the one thing that was hard for me is just always making sure that I was like, am I in the moment watching my actors helping them out? Because there were times where I was like, I really need to, remember that I'm not in person so I'm going to miss things because it's all on a camera and my eyes gonna wander yeah I just I only had the audio recording because I didn't want to like I didn't want to mess up any body language that somebody might have 
until we were there on the day and I could be like, don't do that. Uh, you're <laughs> not playing towards the camera. You're, you know, you're playing towards a stage, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I think that was one comment that I had. Or, um, you know, a lot of times with when you have somebody who's new with acting in front of them a camera, like what we did those through those shoots, uh, a lot of people had a lot of trouble not looking directly into the camera sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you just kind of have to remind them, like, look at me, look, like, look away from the camera. I'm the director. I'm right here. I'm your audience. Look, look at this person. You look at the yeah. camera and you screw it up. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it just means another take. <laughs> exactly. And that's like, that's like one of the things about like eyes and how they work is like, you know, your eyes never just kind of like glaze from left to right. You know, we, they lock on to points of interest and, for some reason, that camera lens is a huge point of interest for everybody. <laughs> I think it's because it's it's very unusual for people. I think even even with doing Zoom calls, I think that's another thing that um, I've always caught myself and is something that is kind of an inner dialogue with me is when I'm in a meeting and they make us have our cameras on, there's this weird... Um, there's this weird thing where it's like you want to look at yourself because you're like, am I making a weird face? Am I doing something weird? So you're always looking at yourself on the camera, but then you also want to make the other person feel like they're being listened to. So then you'll look at your camera, but it feels weird right. to look at your camera because then you're not focusing on the person talk. So it's like you're constantly shifting focus on calls like that because if you look at yourself then you're not really paying attention to the other people. If you look at the camera, then you don't really see what the other people are doing. And if you look at what the other people are doing, it may look like you're not paying attention. So it's like this really weird like dynamic of where do you look on meetings that's like why, that. <laughs> yeah, that's why as the director, you, you know, I always try and stand by the camera. So mm-hmm. if they're going to look and make eye contact with something, they're going to make eye contact with you. They're going to be looking off screen. They're not going to be looking at the lens. Mm-hmm. No, that or totally I'll be like, makes sense. Or I'll be like, don't look past this point. But, you know, people do it because that's just how, you know, that's how people work. They, they <laughs> have to notice something unusual and having a camera on you is something unusual. It's why any time you walk past a security camera, your eyes immediately shoot up and you look yes. at it. Yes! Oh my gosh. And you're always thinking like, oh no, I'm suspicious because I'm <laughs> noticing the cameras. But no, it's just a weird thing that to be on camera for some reason. We're not used to it yet. I know. I mean, when you think about it, we're still very young as a society for having the digital means that we have. So it makes sense that we're still even now kind of weirded out by the technology but I say you know while we have the limitations that we have let's see what we can do with it that's where I'm at (laughs) exactly well that's kind of it for this week thank you so much for joining us here at Buffalo Ghostlight Um, Zach do you want to talk about Patreon yep you can uh, support us on Patreon we appreciate anything you could throw at us we have a couple really great radio plays coming up. We have Emerald Terrace coming soon, and we also have Maddie's Opus, uh, Almost Paradise, mm-hmm. which is like a Bachelor spoof 
murder mystery. It's really fun to do. I'm actually one of the characters, and every time I record for it, it's a hoot and a holler. I can't wait for people to start hearing it. Um, we also, uh, Green Buffalo is a very big fan and a huge supporter of uh, Buffalo Theater Workshop. If you have a chance to uh, send your plays that way, if you need them edited or you're working on it, you want to hear it read out loud, please, please, please submit your long, short plays or even um, uh, screen uh, your play scripts, uh, please send them over to uh, Buffalo Theater Workshop. Um, They're more than happy to look at your scripts, read them, and help them get better. And yeah, other than that, that's kind of it for this week. So thank you so much, everyone, and have a good one. Thank you for listening. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Can I just say it was so difficult after you said please, please, please not to say get what I want, (laughs) like the Smith song. (laughs) Thank you.